Graham, I don't hate Tom Brady. Do you hate Tom Brady? Yeah, I hate Tom Brady. I definitely hate Tom Brady. He's got a big dream board with like it's just got Tom Brady's head on it and arrows in it. Yeah. yeah. Because you're such a huge Bills fan, when was the last time you were this excited about a Buffalo Bills signal caller? I would say never. Never felt this optimistic at all. The future of the franchise is locked in. Let's talk Bills. I'm Graham, and Eric's here as well. How you doing, Eric? Doing good, Graham. Doing good, or doing well, I should say. How are you? There you go. Your English is improving. Well, I've been here now a couple Um, weeks, so it feels a little bit better, yeah. It's coming back, starting to feel a little more natural. Nice. Yep, we're not doing this one in person, um, so we're back to the old method. Not Spotify Green Room, obviously. Obviously. Uh, separate recordings. Oof, never again with them. Um, yeah, we're watching this UB game, which we'll get into in a minute, too, but um, doesn't look like they're going to pull this one off, does it? It does not. They are down 24-10 to 10 right now with a little more than two minutes left in the fourth quarter. Uh, but the way they've been looking all game does not make it seem like they have a chance of catching up at this point. I've got my Khalil Mack jersey on. Do too. you really? I oh, thought nice. it would. Yeah, it's my UB Khalil Mack jersey, huh. which I bought during the pandemic. I thought that was a gift. Was that not a gift? I got a, I got a basketball jersey, a UB basketball jersey as a mm. gift. But the football jersey, pretty sure I just bought for myself. I realize that I have no, I basically have no UB gear. I think the only thing that I have at this point after cleaning through my, you know, clothes so many times is like a UB penny, maybe. That was got free like at a, a basketball free, game. Yeah. Yeah, I've got that one too. It's just got like a number six on it like <laughs> for the sixth man sixth or something, man. right? Woo. Yeah. So uh, we'll get into talking some Mac football a little bit at the end of these episodes because another thing that happened last week is the Elf closed out their inaugural season. Ooh, they did indeed, Graham. A little bit of interesting news to get to after we finish talking about this this upcoming football game, if that's what you'd call it, between the Bills and the Texans. (laughs) What would you call it, Graham, if not a football game? Like a, just a drubbing? It's just going to be a, some oh, sort of dude, slaughter? shut up. Every time somebody starts talking like that, I get really uncomfortable. Yeah? You're just inviting you disaster. Yeah. Oh, come on. What did you say at the beginning of the year with the Steelers and everything and your guaranteed win of the season? I didn't guarantee they would kill them. I guaranteed they'd win, and they didn't, which really was annoying. This Texans but- team... Makes no sense to me because they should be trash, but they're actually pretty decent. They're a tough out, I would say. And like they are, I can't wait for you to explain how they are a pretty decent football team. Well, they look good against the, uh, they look good against the Jaguars, that's for sure. And then they, they played well against the Browns, didn't they? All right. They looked fine against the Jaguars and had Tyrod Taylor playing quarterback. Yeah. They did not look good against the Browns and they lost to, the Carolina Panthers on Thursday night football and only scored nine points. Currently their quarterback is the lowest graded starting quarterback in the NFL by pro football focus. So I'm having a hard time. One game, bro. You didn't watch the Panthers game. Two games. Davis. He's got two games. Yeah. Well, most of the 
Browns game, right? No. And then all of this week. Did he play most of the Browns game? Oh, yeah, he did. No, he played like half. Yeah. He doesn't get credit for the game because he didn't start it, but he threw, I don't know, like 20 passes yeah, or something Yeah, but like you that. did not watch the Panthers-Texans game, and that was the game that I, I said. I did not. And, yeah, yeah. And you said It was closer okay. than it looked. Right. Closer than it looked uh, if you just see the stats. Well, and you're not alone, I guess, in having some optimism for Davis Mills because what the Texans coaching staff allegedly said is that they like the way he looked and they're going to loosen the reins a bit and open some things up. So oh, feeling cool. like they're in a pretty good spot against this Bills defense to to just let him do his thing. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, we'll get into that game a little bit more. We'll do our position-by-position position breakdown of the Bills versus the Texans. Uh, but right now we've got to rewind a little bit and talk about last week's game in Orchard Park, mm. hosting the Washington football team. Mm-hmm. What a glorious game it was, huh? It was pretty awesome. And being that we got to go, my family went to that game. We also went to the Pittsburgh game. Of the two, this was absolutely the better experience. Oh, nice. I can imagine. <laughs> um, yeah. I watched from home, and the whole time I was pumped and also just like basically everything that i said before the game was wrong so i mean that's i'd say pretty normal though at this point we haven't been this isn't our job you know we don't get paid for this we're just a bunch of dumb fans you know happen to uh, have enough happen to have enough free time to do a podcast right so yeah i mean you know you're a huge milano fan I have been down on Milano. Milano had another huge game. You are a huge Josh Allen fan. I was thinking, you know, I'm not buying the whole he's not the guy we thought he was, but maybe there is going to be a bit of regression, and then he throws four touchdowns. So good for you, Graham. Yeah. You are the smarter of the two dummies, I guess. Well, for now, I'm looking pretty good on those. Taron Johnson looked real good. Again, uh, Matt Milano has obviously looked great. And Josh Allen looked like the MVP candidate that he was last season. Yeah, it definitely was a get-right game for Josh Allen, if not for... See, in this, I, I, I'm thinking about this before I say it. I know we're going to disagree with what I'm about to say, but for me, this was a get-right game for Josh Allen, but still not a get-right game for the Bills' offense. Does that make sense? Yeah, I sort of get what you're saying with All that. Right, good. I um, thought we were going to I have a couple of things that I could nitpick about the Bills' offense, and they're probably going to be similar things to, to what you noticed. So I guess we can talk about maybe the good things that we saw last week, which there's just a lot of. Definitely. But then the bad things we can spend a little more time on because there's just less of that, and maybe that's more interesting to talk about. So um, the good things last week, obviously we said Josh Allen looked great, so that he did. Four touchdowns. He looked amazing. No one disagrees with that. Also, though, the the defense looked good against the run, which is a thing that hasn't been tested yet. Yeah, for right? sure. I think the Steelers, we didn't really know what they were going to be, and Najee Harris might have been dangerous, but he didn't really do anything. And then last week against the Dolphins, the Dolphins couldn't, couldn't move the ball at all in any facet of the game. So this week, the Bills were going to get tested a little bit because that Washington offensive line um, is a little bit more competent than either of the offensive lines they'd faced yet, and... They've got Antonio Gibson, who is an electric running back. So they had mm. a chance to prove that they really can stop an opposing team's run game. And I, I think they proved that, which is a good thing to know for the Bills defense. Right. 
Definitely. And, you know, I think Brandon Scherf left the game at some point. I can't remember, though, now if it was in the second half already when that happened. It was. Um, yeah. It was on a like a pick, some sort of pick or fumble. I don't remember, but I yeah. remember he was trying to make a play because the Bills were returning the ball down to um, the far side of the field from where we were sitting. And he got, like, blocked out of bounds and was, like, laying on the sideline for a long time. And mm-hmm. So that was, some, that was at scary. some point in the second half. Yeah, he ran from like where we were. Full we steam see what into happened. The, he but. ran full steam into the wall. I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't think he came back into the game, did he? No, I don't think so. So, like, that could explain. I mean, the Bills' defense definitely looked good against Washington's run game. Antonio Gibson, who you say is an electric running back, I would have said that at the beginning of the season. He's on my freaking fantasy team, but he hasn't done anything for me. Um. <clears throat> He really didn't get anything going on the ground. Um, he did have that really long touchdown reception, but uh... yeah, but which that is only—I mean, he got some good blocks. Yeah, but his speed was unbelievable to me. Yeah. Like the Bills' defense couldn't catch him; they couldn't take good angles to get to him. He just made great cuts and great moves, and he looked really sharp. Like I don't know a lot about Antonio Gibson as a running back. I just kind of remember fantasy. Why is him last year being kind of a, a hot pickup? But mm. on that run, he looked elite. He did. So it was pretty impressive to see the Bills shut him down when he tried to go between the tackles or, or run it out wide. Yeah, definitely. And the Bills' defense, as you said, forced some turnovers. What was it, two interceptions and a fumble loss? So um, that was cool to see. You always want them to win the turnover battle. Um, but, yeah, it was really just more about Josh Allen looking really good, having awesome or seemingly like building an awesome connection with Emmanuel Sanders, who scored two touchdowns, and then Cole Beasley, who you had mentioned when we spoke after the game, Cole Beasley just being like a third down machine, yeah, or first down machine, I guess you would call him. Yeah, he's like their go-to guy when they just need to get to the sticks, and he has, has been that in the past few games. Obviously, the game against the Steelers, he didn't look that way, but like you said, this is an opportunity for the offense to get right, and I think they did that. The one thing that I would point out um, that hasn't happened yet is the Stefan Diggs dominance has not yeah. clicked into to form yet. So that's one of the things I'm hoping to see this week. But he should have had a touchdown uh, in the first quarter, and he got dragged down by a completely missed pass interference call. Pass interference call, in my opinion. Um, and he is still leading the team in targets, so it's not like they're not getting the ball his direction. It's just that he's not connecting in the same way that he and Josh were for most of last season. So hopefully that can find its way to level out the way that it did last year. Yeah, and you could consider that it's still early on in the season, and um, bringing Emmanuel Sanders in definitely changes the dynamics of the offense just because, you know, you got – I think – Emmanuel Sanders is very similar and has always been very similar to Stefan Diggs, even though Stefan's a bit more explosive at this stage in their careers, uh, quite a bit more explosive. But Emmanuel Sanders, man, it just seems like wherever he goes, he quickly ingratiates himself to quarterbacks because he's just such a good route runner. He's got really reliable hands, and I don't know, man. So that could be chipping away at Stefan Diggs' uh, you know, production right now until they get onto a page where they can get everybody involved equally. And Stefan Diggs has been a good sport about it so far, but one of the things that has followed him from Minnesota is you just wait until he's not happy, and then he's not going to be such a fun guy to have around. 
you know, so hopefully that's not the case. And that was just a product of him being in an environment that he wasn't happy in in Minnesota. But, you know, let's keep everybody happy here. Got a chance this week to get Diggs a few touchdowns. Yeah. And uh, maybe that'll make him feel like he's having the same season he was last year. So um, another point maybe to to bring up here is the running game for the Bills, not against the Bills, in that uh, Singletary got his chances. But he didn't really make the most of them, it, it didn't seem. No, he definitely did not. Um, what was it? Like, early on, I believe, so he had 11 carries, averaged less than three yards a carry, so really did nothing on the ground. But he had, I think, one catch early, or am I am I remembering the Dolphins game? No, it was this game. He had one catch early where he, like, just stopped. He could have continued running with the ball for a first down it was on a third down and he just kind of stopped and you got the impression that what he was trying to do is kill his momentum to let the defender run past him and then kind of spin around to make a jump for the uh, first down or something like that but he just like looked so slow kind of gearing down to make his stop and then of course the defender wrapped him up and dragged him down zero gain and I was thinking, like, yeah. Devin Singletary, man, where is preseason version of you? Well, he looked good in that long run against the Dolphins, and he looked great in the preseason. But since that Dolphins game, halfway through that Dolphins game, Moss has taken over. He got 13 carries this week for 60 yards. So he looked a lot better, and he's looked more dangerous in goal line situations. So that split might be starting to fall Moss's direction a little bit. Yeah. Well, good. I mean, it's weird, though, isn't it, that Moss and Singletary are just very similar runners. I get the idea that they're very similar runners. Moss runs with a bit more, like, violence, it seems like, but neither of them are, like, these super explosive, shifty guys. Even Devin Singletary being as undersized as he is, his game is more about just kind of grinding it out than really being a home run threat besides that uh, Miami run. Yeah, I thought his shiftiness had improved. Like that, it looked like it in, pre-se- in the preseason, right? And then, right, like this game especially, it was almost like he had cinder blocks attached to his cleats. Yeah, well, hopefully he can get that figured out. Um, but somebody who I do want to point out had another nice game is Dawson Knox. He's he's uh, doing a nice job being consistent. That touchdown grab is oh, incredible. Yeah. No, I'm not taking anything away from him for that. That was awesome. But I think the very next drive he had just a bad drop really because he's only had i mean i'm just looking at his stat line that there are only two targets this season he hasn't pulled in now one of them i remember was a bad throw by josh that in an effort to make the catch he kind of popped it up in the air and it almost got picked Uh. and i don't know if it was it was this game or or last game um, but that I remember, and the other one I don't I don't remember the other incompletion to him. But I'm not going to remember every single play that ever gets played out here. So I don't necessarily know if I've noticed a bad drop from him yet. I feel like if he had a bad drop, we would be hearing about it every second. Um, but he's had a pretty decent year so far. He's got two touchdowns, ten receptions, over 100 yards. He's doing his thing, and he's improving, and he's not dropping a lot of balls in key moments. So hmm. I think. Uh, He's on pace for a pretty decent bounce-back season so far. Well, I mean, I am almost positive it was the very next drive that he had a bad drop, but I could be wrong, so I'll give you the benefit of the doubt and say 
Absolutely. Yeah. Maybe he is. We can look into it. Maybe he is on his way to a bounce back season. Either way, that touchdown grab isn't something that every tight end can do. So I think you're starting to see why the Bills value him because he has an upside that is valuable uh, in the blocking game and being consistently available to make those grabs. Maybe that's where he's got to improve. But for now, happy with Dawson Knox, which is good to see. Well, that's nice for you. And I'm going to take back, I, I said bounce back, bounce back from what, sucking? Uh, no, hopefully he can have a breakout season, I mean. So that's all we got to say on Dawson Knox then. Um, any other things that you really want to touch on from last week's game, Graham? Um, uh, nothing else that I want to point out that was great, but I have a couple areas of growth that I think need to be addressed. Yeah, let's, let's hit it. I'll start with the offensive line, which struggled. Obviously, the Washington defensive line is unbelievably talented, but Josh hid a lot of the mistakes they made with his movement, and I did watch the condensed game over again just to see like how much he is moving in the pocket, moving his feet, finding space, and he felt comfortable. It looked like Josh just felt like himself, so he's able to mask a lot of the mistakes that guys like Cody Ford and Daryl Williams were making. Uh, but those two in particular had a really bad day, and Josh was under pressure. I read an article from Joe Biscalia that said Cody Ford allowed 11 pressures in the 40, like, three plays in this oh game, which God. is actually the most by any offensive lineman in any game this whole season. So Jeez. he had a horrendous day. Mm-hmm. And you didn't notice it because Josh is amazing. Um, and the secondary for the Washington football team isn't good at all, so he was able to shred them as long as he could find a little bit of space. Uh, but, yeah, that offensive line is not – something that has caused the success they've had in these past two games. I think they're winning in spite of that issue. Right. So well, there's that. Here's the thing. You've got a franchise quarterback, and the best thing about a franchise quarterback is that they make everyone else around them look so much better, right? But the problem right. is, like, if you if you have a talent like Josh Allen and he's making his offensive line or he's not able to look his offensive line even seem above average that's terrible and this week is a problem we'll talk about it in a little bit but this week is a problem because Feliciano I think has already been ruled out right with his concussion yep he won't be playing so we're gonna have Ford and freaking Butker out there and honestly I think Butker's probably the better interior lineman at this point because Ford has not looked good at in any single game this season I don't think well, actually, he, he did fine in the Steelers game, according to the, the grades and the uh, people who watch offensive line. I guess Cody Ford was one of the better offensive yeah, linemen in that game. That's not saying much because the edges... <laughs> well, they were terrible. Yeah, the edges just got yeah. destroyed by Watt and Ingram, you know? Yeah, so, you know, I don't have a problem with Ike Butker getting in the game. And another thing that I've heard floated around is, like, Darrell Williams was not always intended to be your right tackle. He could play guard, and that would might be more of a fit for his mm. experience and body size and things like that. So if Spencer Brown can get enough reps that he can eventually slot in and start playing right tackle, then you've got four guys who could play guard, and maybe Daryl Williams could take one of those spots away, and maybe that's how you hide these problems is by having more competition for those two spots. But, you know, we'll see. The offensive line is definitely not set in stone. Deion Dawkins has had two good weeks, um, so maybe he's been able to just heal completely from his COVID bout. Right. And Mitch Morris has played well. 
he's been good, yeah. which he was not last year. So excited yeah. to see that. Um, but yeah, the guard position is a is a big issue right now. Shows how much we know because I, I, I don't know, maybe I'm just applying this to you as well. I do remember having a conversation in the offseason about Mitch Morrison, whether he's worth keeping around at his uh, cap number at this point. But yeah, we talked about that quite a bit. <laughs> he's definitely been the most consistent uh, offensive lineman for the Bills this season. Um, yeah, it would be nice to see Spencer Brown get up to speed enough to get him out there. Uh, but I still think Daryl Williams, rough games aside, is the best option at tackle, uh, better option at tackle than guard, unfortunately. Wasn't Cody Ford drafted to be like a tackle guard kind of option player? Yep. And yeah. he quickly ended up at guard, and then we all kind of Which said, was the well, backup that wasn't option. really the yeah. idea, but fine if he turns out to be a good guard. But if he doesn't turn out to be a good guard, then that's just a wasted pick. Yeah, man. Second rounder. Tough. Yep. And they were excited about being able to get him, too. Like, I remember watching the Embedded series after that draft and seeing how excited Bean was that he fell to that point. Yeah. They were able to, I think they traded up to, to that spot, right? Or did they just sit there and wait? Oh, I can't remember. Whatever happened. Anymore. They were pumped to be able to get him. Um, so I was excited about that. Yeah, and I do remember that offensive line draft. He was – Cody Ford was a very highly rated right tackle um, out of Oklahoma and just hasn't worked out for him so far. But we shall see. Um, yeah, I don't really have anything else to say about how the Bills' offense looked other than what we nitpicked already. The Bills' defense to me – looked really good but you got to kind of take that with a grain of salt because it was Heineke out there and Heineke looked overmatched and you hope it's because it's you know more on the Bills end than it is him being a journeyman and you know having this be his what fifth career start or something fourth who knows yeah but single uh, digits low yeah. single digits yeah but he he can move he and can, the pass dude. rush was not super effective no like the Bills defensive line dominated against they did very well against the Steelers and dominated against the Dolphins and did not this week. Guys like Epineza, who had had a really great week the week before, um, Jerry Hughes, they were not getting pressure. Mm -hmm. And Heineke, if he wanted to, he could run and he could get a few yards and did on a number of occasions. So I would say that the Bills defense was great, but the pass rush did take a step back. And maybe we should have seen that coming because this is the best offensive line they've seen yet. So mm -hmm. all in all. Not too concerning, probably, but um, something to point out. And I want to say also that Isaiah McKenzie is seeming like a little bit of a liability in the punt and kick return game because yeah. that kickoff was brutal. Yeah. Uh, we did see that football hit like a wall of wind. It was clear that that's what happened. Um, and my dad was making the point that really it should have been on, I think it was Taiwan Jones who was positioned on special teams in a spot where if he were aware he would have been able to just look up and make that catch. But Isaiah McKenzie totally misread that kick, and the game looked a little scary for a couple minutes there when uh, Washington scored a touchdown and then picked up that kickoff and scored another touchdown. So yeah. um, can't have special teams causing that kind of momentum swing. Definitely not. Well said, Graham. Couldn't have said it any better myself. Well, thank you. That's it, though. That's all I've got for the Washington game. Should we uh, move on? Yeah, that's all I got, too. Before talking about the Houston game, let's check in around the league, um, because this week, the biggest game 
in the league, and maybe the biggest game that will be in the league all regular season, is this Tampa Bay mm. Buccaneers at the Patriots game. Right. Um, so let's just quick take a second. Who do you hope wins this game? Who do I hope wins this game? Ugh. Yeah. Don't put me on the spot. <laughs> this is a brutal game for, for me because when I picture Brady losing this game, I'm like, yes. But then when I picture Belichick losing this game at home, I feel the same way. Really? So, ah, okay. Yeah. I, I want them both to be miserable. But Why? Because I hate them all. I hate the Patriots, and I hate Tom Brady. I think I... And I hate Rob Gronkowski, I and think I don't I want dislike, the Bucks to be good again. I'm on the Brady side of this one because I really don't like Josh McDaniels. Uh, he, you know, left my Colts at the altar. Not that I would have wanted him to be the head coach of the Colts or anything, but whatever. Um, and Bill Belichick, man, like... I just feel like this whole situation with Tom Brady going ending up in Tampa was such like a hubris thing on his end. Bill Belichick just being like, oh, uh-huh. I'm the man. I can basically take any schmuck to run my offense, and I'm still going to make the playoffs. Um, right. Last season, he seemed to throw in the towel pretty quickly and realize this is a lost season. This is going to be a rebuilding year. But it just bugs me that he, you know, let – his number one dude let the relationship with that number one dude deteriorate deteriorate to the point where there was no real attempt to keep Tom Brady on the on the team and you can hate Tom Brady all you want but I think you have to admit if there's any player that like deserves to finish their career with one team it would be Tom Brady yeah I don't think I'm gonna make any sort of point um, that involves me giving Brady credit here or um, hoping good things happen for him. Yeah. But I, I will say this. When they split, I I think deep down I hoped that we would find out which one of the two, Brady or Belichick, was responsible for that six Super Bowl reign of terror throughout all of the 2000s. Right? Yeah. The fact that Brady already won a Super Bowl with his new team kind of answers that question already you know that's kind of over with it seems like Brady is the answer there now if the Patriots win this game there will be a little bit of an argument to be made from the Patriots side of things and I think I'd prefer for that argument not to be able to be made and for Brady to just rub Belichick's face in the dirt and be like this is over and it obviously was me that was the reason for this this whole time yeah you know yeah so I think from that perspective I think that's maybe why why I would hope that the Buccaneers win this game and the other side of it is that if the Buccaneers win this game, it will negatively impact more people who I hope are saddened by this because <laughs> all of Boston will be hurt as well. Yeah. So that'll just, that'll crush more. It'll be a net negative that'll be much greater. Uh, so I guess for that reason, I'll pull for the Bucks. Also, third reason, uh, the Bucks are in the NFC and we don't really have any control over what happens to them, although we do play them once. So I guess there's a little bit of me hoping the Bucks beat the Patriots. Right. We did bet on what we thought would happen in this game earlier in the season. Um, And that was in week three, or episode three, sorry, our third episode. Um, We bet on who we thought would win this game, and I picked the Patriots to win this game because I think that this is the only thing Bill Belichick's been thinking about since last season ended. So (laughs) he's going to roll out a heck of a game plan, and I think it'll be a close one. Um, But 
ultimately you might be right here. It could be the Bucks. Yeah, I hope it's the Bucks. Um, I think that the Patriots have a very talent poor roster right now. Um, it looks like at this point in the season, especially with James White going down for what seems to be a season ending hip injury. Um, but yeah, I, I do have to push back on your thing too, just really quickly about Brady being responsible for the Patriots reign of terror. I don't think that was necessarily the case early on, right? Like Tom Brady was no better than Drew Bledsoe when he won his first Super Bowl. He was not better than Drew Bledsoe. He just, you know, had gotten into the starting position and proved proven himself to be a uh, sort of reliable dude. Yeah, he wasn't going to make any big mistakes. So I think he got lucky there with a lot of great players around him and a really, really good defense. But certainly at some point, maybe with Josh McDaniels becoming the uh, offensive coordinator for the first run there, their offense and Brady for sure just transformed. And so certainly if you want to break up their kind of dynasty into two parts – Brady is the star that, or the straw that stirred the drink with those uh, last three Super Bowl wins. But the first three, I don't know. That was, I give it to Belichick. Interesting. I also think I have to give credit to the, to Belichick and the Patriots because had any other franchise drafted that weenie of a seventh round quarterback, he would never have even seen the field. You know, like if that were the Bills, he just turns out to, he just fizzles out. Bro. You know, like any flyer quarterback that the Bills um, drafted over the years. So they get credit for that, and Brady has to thank them for that. Certainly. But, but all I'm... the math is starting to point in the direction of Tom Brady being the more influential of the two as far as that reign of terror is concerned. Recency bias, recency bias. And Graham, how many, drafts, how many drafts do you have to watch to remember that Tom Brady was a six-rounder, bro? Oh sure, okay, yeah, sixth rounder. They all, they don't <laughs> shut up about that. Either. I'm surprised they said that. They don't. Uh, all right. Um, so that game, it's important to note that that's happening this week. That's Sunday night football. I don't stay up for a lot of Sunday night football games, but, but you will. I'm gonna stay up for this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. That game is gonna be electric. Definitely. I'm very much all looking right. forward to it. Another one that I want to point out here is uh, the Dolphins. Just by the way, while I'm looking at this running bet spreadsheet, you and I bet on how many games we thought the Dolphins would win in their first five games. And do you know what we said? Uh, I believe I was a little optimistic. I think I said three, two to three wins. Fortunately for you, you bet that they would win two or more games. I bet that they would win one or less. They currently sit at one win. And the games they have left to play in in the final two of their five games of the season are next week against your Indianapolis Colts. That's right. That's right. And then in two weeks at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yep. Do you think they're going to get that second win? Dude, I don't know. I, I definitely think it's possible against the Colts, who have looked like an absolute dumpster fire this season. Uh, especially with Carson Wentz being, you know, as brittle as they come. But I am considering locking up the Broncos for, or the Buccaneers for the the uh, October 10th matchup against the Dolphins, that's for sure. 
Yeah, but the Colts have started with a brutal schedule. They had to play the Seahawks week one, Rams week two, and they lost by three to the Rams, who beat the Bucks, And then they lost to the Titans in week three. So they've had no easy games through the first three weeks of the schedule for the Colts. Well, you and so. I are going to talk about this a little bit later in the season, but I am not convinced that either the Seahawks or the Titans are actually really any good this season. Oh, okay. I agree that they don't seem like they're contenders for the Super Bowl or anything, but that's a much tougher first three games than most teams in the league have had to go through. Did, have you ever listened? Well, yeah, for sure. But have you ever listened to um, the Ringer NFL podcast? No, I don't think I've listened to them. We don't want to give like, you know, free advertising or anything, but yeah, uh, hey. <laughs> the Dannys, Danny Heifetz and Danny Kelly, I believe their names are, they had this crazy stat where it was like when the Titans win, Derrick Henry averages something like 150 rushing yards a game, 1.1 touchdowns, and when the Titans lose, he averages like less than 50 rushing yards a game. It's absolutely insane. I can't remember the exact number, so I'm probably butchering them, but just the splits were crazy, and he is truly the engine that drives them. So I feel like the Titans are just one bad injury away from being a totally terrible team. They're defense well, which is what their coach is supposed to specialize in is awful and has never been good during his time there and they're they're in more trouble this week they don't have aj brown or julio jones julio's not playing so, either i knew aj well, they're they're both not playing this week they're both hurt. oh my god all right so king henry yeah load him Big up week for him yeah Okay, well, I think I'm in good shape to get this one win out of the five because I, I think the Colts got to win one of their first five games. I don't think they're that bad of a team, and they're not going to do it against. I know. Um, yeah, I know they're going to get their win this week. Well, I hope so, but we'll see. I kind of I hope All right. so, and I kind of don't because I do want to win this bet. That means a lot to me. Right, the bets are they got to come first. Yeah. I'm glad you understand. And in a couple of weeks, we'll get into our record prediction. Um, you know, during the Bills bye week, we can kind of go mm -hmm. through the whole NFL and see where we think all these teams stand, and we can take a look at where our record predictions for the AFC East are because we bet on the Dolphins, Patriots, and Jets records. And I think we bet on the Jags win total as well, but I don't know. We'll get into that. Right. So let's talk about this Houston Texans game. Yeah. Uh, we can go position by position. And uh, let's see if there's any place on the field that Eric believes the Houston Texans are superior. Yeah, definitely. Quarterback? What do you think? Um, You're so no. high on Davis Mills. <laughs> I actually forgot about <laughs> Davis Mills for like a super long portion of his career. I do remember him being like the number one quarterback recruit out of high school and going to Stanford. And then I just didn't hear about him after that. Um, I thought he was gonna. I actually thought he was one of those dudes who kind of like washed out, and that's why I wasn't hearing about him. But then I was kind of surprised to see his name in you know draft magazines and stuff like that. Um, he's like a toolsy guy, but uh, I don't know, man. There's no chance that he can on his own match up to the tools that Josh Allen has. Just as any yeah. quarterback, basically on the entire Bills schedule, does not have the tools to match up with Josh Allen. Right. He's elite. Um, so Josh gets the edge, obviously, and 
you're right that he does not have the tools uh, because let's talk about the tools. The skill positions, Bills get the edge here because I don't even know if I've heard of these wide receivers outside of Brandon Cooks. Um, and they've got David Johnson at running back. But skill position here for Houston is really sparse. Well, I do want to make the or you know have the obligatory point out that I think if we're breaking skill positions into three positions, the Texans win in one of those skill positions. Um, okay, which one? Running back for sure, dude. Running back. They're like yes, the uh, the kind of what is it called? The senior brigade, I guess you would call them. Mark Ingram, oh, David yeah. Johnson. Philip Lindsay's still a young dude, but they got Rex Burkhead too. Um, their running backs are way better than the Bills' running backs. They're very even as old, old as they are. Though. As old as they are, I've always yeah. loved Philip Lindsay. He's like that little undersized slasher dude. He's like what you wish Devin Singletary was. And then David Johnson. I think David Johnson, as old as he seems, isn't he only like twenty nine or thirty? He's not, like, I don't know. He was a dude who, uh, at one point in his, David in his career... David Johnson is almost 30. Yeah, but this is a dude who, granted, he's kind of got a few years removed from this success. He was flirting with 1,000-1,000 one season, you know? Yep. He was and first overall fantasy too. draft pick several years, I would say. <laughs> he was, and the Cardinals shipped him right out of town. Right. Yeah, so, well, only after paying him like crazy funny money, you know. Yeah. So. Well, uh I think that the edge that the Bills have at receiver, again, this is kind of like how it's going to be with a lot yeah, of these teams. Yeah. They do have a much deeper receiving core. Um I think Dawson Knox takes the edge in the tight end discussion. Hmm. Between he and Pharaoh Brown. Mm, I don't know. I like Pharaoh Brown. Oh, yeah? All right. Let's hear you defend Pharaoh Brown for a minute. Well, I like Pharaoh Brown because he's not Dawson Knox. (laughs) You're just such a hater. You're like, you and Dawson Knox are like... I was going to say, I was just about to say, Dawson Knox is to me as Lamar Jackson is to you. Oh, man. Yeah. Pharaoh Brown's decent, but I like... I actually like the guy behind him more, Jordan Akins. I don't know why Pharaoh Brown is listed as the starter. And I do love, we spoke about this guy before the draft. Um, he is their third string tight end, so there is that. But Brevin Jordan, he's a rookie out of Miami. He, mm, Yeah, I remember talking about him in the yeah, offseason. He's pretty good. I like him. So, yep, I would take uh, any one of those three. Over. When you look down this roster, it's like a hey, I had that guy in fantasy six years ago. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. like Danny Danny Amendola. I've heard that name before. Yeah, <laughs> you remember Danny Amendola? Yeah, he was yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, and you Brandon know, got Cooks, Andre Roberts, returning kicks. That's ex Bill oh, Andre yeah. Roberts. Right. Yeah, I was Rex surprised Bur- to see Burkhead. him last week. Yeah, I mentioned Rex Burkhead with the running back thing. That's right, and Mark Ingram. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is not an impressive skill position group. So Bills win here. Agreed? Yeah. All right. Offensive line. You go first. Ooh, this is tough given how much we just destroyed the Bills uh, guards. But I'll give it to the Bills. I do like Laramie Tunsil a lot. Um, 
Titus Howard was a guy who the Texans drafted in the first round and really got destroyed for it, but he looked great as a rookie. So um, their tackles are pretty good. But, I mean, again, this is all, like, coming out of me. I'm a dummy when it comes to uh, offensive line stuff, but I don't know much about Max Sharping and Justin McRae, Justin Britt either. The Justins. Yeah, I'm, again, just kind of looking at grades that other people have given this offensive line. Um, The Bills are struggling for consistency at spots on their offensive line. And, you know, no Feliciano this week. Maybe that hurts them too, like Butker's going to play. But this Houston offensive line is really poorly graded. I mean, this guy that you talked about here, um, Titus Howard, Currently this season, not not having a good year. He, yeah. he is the second-to-worst-graded guard in the league, and there's nobody else on their offensive line who's in the top 20 at their position. Mm. So they're struggling. Um, and I thought you might give the Texans the edge here just because this is maybe the Bills' weakest spot, but no, I'm also no. going to go with the Bills. Yeah. I think the fact that we've got Deion Dawkins, he's a, a great left tackle, and Mitch Morse is playing well, so at least we have two guys – who are playing well and mm-hmm. are decent, and I don't know if the Texans have anyone with that level of consistency. So right. going with the Bills, uh, let's switch to the defensive side of the ball and talk about the front seven. Who you got? Uh, I'm going to go with the Bills because <laughs> I really like the way that the Bills' front seven played mm-hmm. um, in the first two games, and they didn't get to the quarterback a lot last week. I'm going to chalk that up to a good offensive line for the Washington football team. But another reason why I think I'm going to go with the Bills here is these – are names that I pretty much haven't heard of on the Texans defense. Oh, really? You know, I know who Whitney Merciless is. Mm -hmm. Um, He's been on this team forever. Uh, But, you know, a number of these guys, uh, let's see, Christian Kirksey is a vet, but, you know, I'm not familiar really with with him at all. Um, He was good for the the Browns for a couple years. Yeah, their defensive line, they've got Demarcus Walker, um, and it looks like, Malik Collins and like we talked about this team on an earlier podcast it's a lot of veterans on one-year deals that you know were maybe on their way out the door of the Mm -hmm. league and the Texans said hold on we got a weird thing going on over here you can come in and play one more season so that's what this defensive line looks like to me honestly the whole Texans defense is like this to me this is going to be the same conversation we have in the secondary but I'm giving it to the Bills yeah definitely no disagreements there um I like the Bills linebackers better. I like the Bills defensive linemen better, and it's not even close. Like, I don't know, man. You look at this Texans defensive roster, and it's a lot of dudes who are well past their prime or have washed out somewhere else and ended up here in Houston. So There aren't even rookies. It's not even like there are guys you haven't heard of because they're just rookies. These guys have all played like five seasons in the league, and still <laughs> yeah. I don't know them. Yeah, uh, Vernon Hargraves, I do know in the secondary. Heard his name before. He's been around since like 2015 or something like that. But um, as we move to the secondary, same thing. I don't like the Texans secondary. It's very weak. Eric Murray is a terrible safety, according to the grade here. He's like the third worst in the league. Um, but they are giving credit to Justin Reed yeah. for maybe having a couple good games here. Although he didn't play last week. So yeah. um, in the secondary, I'm going to give the edge to the Bills. Yet again. Yep. No disagreements there. I think normally normally it's kind of become my thing to try to argue with you and and 
try to find at least one position group that I like more on the opponent's team. But after running back, I can't really do that with this t- Houston roster. So um, Vernon Hargraves. Yeah, thank for you. For not man. just arguing for the sake of arguing. Well, you know, I like I'm I'm just by nature a bit of a contrarian, so. We'll see if I'm able to hold myself back from arguing against you on special teams. You know, that's your spot too. Special teams is your thing. So yeah, uh, kind of got my finger on the pulse of special teams across the league. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> For sure. All right. So still, the Bills have got every position locked up. Uh, one thing to note that Jordan Poyer isn't going to play this week. So he oh. had an ankle injury last week against Washington, and it looked uh-huh. kind of bad. I I was sort of annoyed with uh, Tremaine Edmonds last week. He ha- actually had a pretty good game, but there were two times during the game where he made a tackle that I thought he, he could have made it differently, but he made it in such a way that it meant he was going to smash into one of his teammates. Ah, uh, okay. He was gonna, so, like, you, you know, you could try to pull a guy one way um, or, or lay up as you're running to make a tackle because you, you don't want to run straight through one of your teammates. But yeah. this injury to Jordan Poyer, if my memory serves me correctly, is Tremaine Edmonds smashing a guy right into Jordan Poyer's leg. And it looked like a knee to me in Ooh. the game, but it's an ankle. So that's good. But, um, yeah, so no game for Poyer this week. And hopefully that's just because McDermott's like, all right, we got this one in the bag. We'll just throw Jaquan Johnson out there. We don't need Jordan Poyer this week, and he'll be good to go for the Chiefs game. All right. Graham, I got a suggestion here, or maybe a proposal. How about every week we find something nice to say about Tremaine Edmonds and um, Devin Singletary, okay? Because I feel like we beat up on those two a lot. Dawson Knox, no, we're not going to do anything nice. Nothing nice to say about you, Dawson. Well, Sorry. you don't have to because I'll do that, right? Yeah, so we'll balance exactly. that out. You can be a jerk to Dawson right. Knox. I'll be nice so, to Dawson yeah, Knox. Yeah, that's a good point. We both pile on these other guys where you're like, for some reason, you drank the Dawson Knox Kool-Aid. Um, so, yeah, we'll huh, – what do you have nice to say about Tremaine Edmonds? Cause... Tremaine Edmonds was great in coverage last week. He was yes. he was everywhere in the in the passing game. Um, I read that in, in an article that one of the beat reporters wrote about him, that he had a particularly good game in coverage. And he's huge, so he should be covering a massive portion of the field just by standing there. Okay. Um, and I think when you get an inexperienced quarterback like Heineke, he's going to make more of an impact. And he probably will this week, too. So good in coverage, All Tremaine right. Edmonds. Good for you, Tremaine Edmonds. You are good in coverage, and you are huge. Two yeah. nice things. You did something you could not control well. <laughs> and Devin Singletary? Uh, I feel like I was beating up more on him than you were, so I'll say something nice about Devin Singletary. All right, let's hear it. Devin, you looked really good in the preseason, and I still think that there's potential for you to be the player that we saw in August. That's good, right? Nice. And it sounded genuine. Thank you. All right. Let's talk about special teams. Yes. Anything? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, Tyler Bass didn't miss any kicks last I week. I was going to so. say, I have my pulse on special teams, on the f- finger of uh, special teams, but uh, or my finger on the pulse, that's the expression, uh, of special teams, but... Nothing to say about Tyler Bass because he's just Mr. Automatic at this point. And I think the Texans kicker, Kaimi Fairbarn, 
has not played yet this season. So he is going to play this week. Yeah, he's he's like listed as probable, I think. But um, well, yeah. they cut Joey Sly or yeah, whatever, right? So which you got to feel gonna God. have to do it. I feel bad for Joey Sly, man, because I just I feel like last year with the Panthers, they were just trotting out him out for every impossible field goal, like at the end of the <laughs> yeah. half or the end of the game or something like that. Well, let's see if Joey Sly can win it. He's yeah, gonna hit a and 68. Then oh, he didn't yeah, do it. It's yeah, on and Joey then like Sly. this year he gets cut. They're like, damn you, Joey, you didn't make every 60 yard field goal we we put you out there for. How dare you? Yeah. So then. Joey ended up in Houston, and now Kaimi Fairbarn's back. So the sly guy Andre once again Roberts, a free agent. returning kicks. That's something too. Yeah, that, yeah. Uh, he's one of the great return men in the league. So you know you're tempted maybe to give the edge to the Texans because of that. You're you gotta, tempted, but I'm not going to. No, I don't think I will either. Isaiah McKenzie has struggled, but I don't think the winds are going to be as gusty as they were last week. So that's my. That's my rationale here. Not as gusty. Yeah. Bills get the edge. There we go. I'm just waiting for uh, Marcus Marquez Stevenson to uh, heal up, get out there on kick returns, you know? Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen, man. I think they're just going to keep him on IR. He's going to be as healthy as ever, but they're going to leave him there because the minute they activate him, they got to drop somebody. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think they're going to roll Dawson the dice Knox. on McKenzie for as long as they can. And he is explosive when he makes it when he makes a catch in space and doesn't wave a fair catch. <laughs> he can make something happen. Right. So. Yeah. All right. Coaching. Ooh, oh, oh. Um definitely Sean McDermott. Yeah, David Culley is the coach of the Houston Texans. <laughs> yeah. Um and uh, I'm going to give the edge to Sean McDermott. I'm going to pull in another uh a different podcast reference. Sorry. I'm giving all these other podcasts you know, some shine on this one, but you know, there's one thing to give people credit for ideas you didn't <laughs> come up with. It's another to turn our podcast into an advertisement for the ringer. Well, no, this isn't the ringer. This is the oh. NFL's own around the NFL podcast. Uh, they talk about David Cully, basically, you know, it's like he's, uh, polishing deck chairs on the, uh, deck of the Titanic. You know, he's, <laughs> <laughs> i like that they just hired him to uh fire him later i feel like you know he's just in a yeah. terrible position um he seems like i don't know nice enough guy but <laughs> i can't say anything about his acumen as a head coach and i can say with confidence that sean mcdermott is a pretty good one well then that's a sweep yeah the bills have with the, the exception of running back well, but they're in the skill position group. Well, you know, so, you you and I look at it differently. So <laughs> we've been doing it this way for four weeks. Yeah, yeah. Well, why would we know. change it now? No, I, it is what it is. I just we think could it, talk about kicker, punter, kick return, and punt return, and gunner no, all no, no, separately. No. All we don't. It's all good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, survivor picks. Let's get into the NFL's games this week. Um, I did to you what you did to me last week and did not tell you my pick before Thursday Night Football so that you couldn't pick the Bengals. And I did it <laughs> yeah, intentionally, thanks a lot, but Graham, I don't think you jerk. noticed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, did you do would it you intentionally? Have taken the Bengals? No. Uh, no. I forgot. Heck no. One of our buddies nah. took the Bengals, and I, uh, I told him that was a huge mistake as he was sweating out the rest of Thursday Night Football. We have a survivor pool with 
Kara's family. And um, her dad did take the bangles and was really excited about taking the bangles. And then hmm. we watched the first half and went to bed. And he was certain that, you know, they were going to lose that game because they were down. <laughs> they were down 14 nothing at halftime. And the Jags got stopped on a goal line stand. It should have been 21-0 yeah. at halftime. Yeah. But somehow, second half. Turned out to be another good primetime game. NFL is making a killing on their their night games this year. Even between teams that no one cares about. Right. So my pick this week is going to be a team that I believe needs to bounce back and absolutely will. Uh, The Kansas City Chiefs just lost two heartbreakers in a row and haven't Mm -hmm. lost two games with Patrick Mahomes at the helm in a row since like his rookie season or something like that. So um, I don't see them losing this week to the Philadelphia Eagles. And I'm gonna pick them to get things right and go to two and two. Ooh, nice. All right. I was considering them. Um, you know what's scary about this week is the fact that there are a lot of undefeated teams still, and they're bad. So you want to choose their opponents, but the problem is that they're undefeated, and you figure like mathematically they have to win a game at some point, right? Oh, wait, are you talking about teams that haven't won yet that yeah, need teams, to win? Yeah, teams that have not won yet that need to win. Gotcha. So, like, I'm looking at Chicago, Detroit, and you and I spoke about this earlier. I do not think Detroit is as bad as you do. So I'm kind of like, like, I think Chicago is probably better, but Detroit's not as bad as you think. So, like, maybe this is the week that they notch their win, you know? I don't know. It's tough. Well, I can uh, help your decision out a little bit there no, because thank you. the Detroit Lions have arguably one of the hardest schedules in the league. Yeah. According to Pro Football Focus, it's the 29th most difficult schedule, or you know, maybe it's 30th yeah. most difficult schedule in the league. Uh, so if they're going to get that win that mathematically you believe they deserve, it's got to happen at the Bears, right? Yeah, you'd think. Well, I would say you either have to take that game or, and this is the argument I thought you were going to make because you were saying there are teams that are uh, haven't won a game yet. I thought you were saying there are teams who have won three games who don't deserve to be 3-0 and and mathematically right. will eventually lose one. And uh, your Baltimore Ravens play the Denver Broncos this week. <laughs> yeah, well, I kind of like the Broncos and the Baltimore Ravens are far from my Baltimore Ravens, so there's no chance in hell I'm going to be choosing that team. Nice try, though. Um, oh, but I thought Lamar Jackson was unstoppable and amazing. Why wouldn't you take Lamar <laughs> I Jackson? I never said either of those two things. <laughs> I think someone's just a bit salty that, uh, you know, they haven't, the Ravens organization hasn't come right out and said, we will never pay Lamar anything more than what is on his contract now. Um, Can I just point out that the Ravens needed a fumble from Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at the end are, of the Chiefs game and a 66-yard NFL record-setting field goal right to now. beat the Lions? They could so easily be 0-3 right now and aren't. You sound absolutely insane right now. Disagree. I think I'm making a lot of sense. Um, you know what? You make a great point with the Bears Lions game. So in that case, I am going to choose as my survival pick for the week the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm going to double down on. Oh, <laughs> you're going to make all these claims about. I'm going to double down really on my preseason prediction, and you know if 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 I think that Tom Brady can hand it to Belichick back then, I'm going to just lock it in now. 
you know, you would have taken the Lions if you really believed they were any good. Yeah, well, I also think that the Bears are just like at the edge of disaster and Matt Nagy's going to be trying to coach out of his mind to save his job. Okay. All right. Well, you can burn Tampa this week. I'd say bad week to use Tampa. It, you can use Tampa any week. and. Uh, oh, I will. I will. Uh, I, I'm using yeah. them now. Well, you only get to use them once. So I know. Just be careful I know. with that. That's fine. All right. I'm also banking on the fact that half of their veterans will just, like, break down in the second half of the season. So I don't I think they'll be as strong then as they are now. I sure hope so. Yeah, I bet you do. So let's talk about the Elf, and then we can uh, quick get our score predictions and wrap this one up. Uh, the European League of Football closed out their inaugural season. It was a very Ooh. successful championship game, it looks like. From <laughs> The article that I found that was not a European League of Football article, just a guy who wrote it. But he said that based on what he heard about the game, <laughs> it ended in a thirty-two. <laughs> it ended in a thirty-two thirty win for the Frankfurt Galaxy. What does he say in the article? Like from what my sources tell me. He's got a ham radio that he built, yeah, and he was right. able to exactly. pick up a signal. <laughs> oh, boy. Anyway, it was a close one. Uh, Hamburg fell right at the end of the game. I think there was a touchdown from Frankfurt right at the end, and they lost 32-30. But a successful championship game, I would say, for a budding young league. Certainly. And, a, you know, a first year for the record books, man. We had Madre London. I believe he was the league MVP. Um a Leipzig Kings player was honored uh, maybe defensive player of the year, Kyle Kitchens. So no big deal, kind of a big deal. But yeah, nice, super successful first season and a really well-deserving champion because, you know, the other championship team, kind of a farce team. But uh, yeah, we'll see what happens in, in the second year, which I'm super pumped about. Maybe they will have a team in Scotland this year or in France even. Ooh. I don't know. Anything's you possible. You think they're going to they're gonna look for expansion in their Oh, yeah, yeah. Dude, not. I think that's a plan, really. When I read the about two the... two-year plan is to expand to Scotland? They should... Oh, really I don't know. I don't sure know Scotland specifically, well but I think that every year for the next couple of years, they're planning on expanding. So wow. that's kind of cool. That is cool. Yeah. And... Uh, Good on the European League of Football for finishing their season, playing all their games, and having a decent-looking product on the field. No, honestly, no sarcasm. Bravo, yeah. European League of Football. Fix your website. Uh, Definitely so now fix your website. We can... That's how I don't know if Kyle Kitchens actually won the defensive player or not. <laughs> <laughs> he was in the running. It looked good for him. Uh, that's all I know. So. Well, we'll check back in on that during the Elf offseason. And... As we said in our previous two episodes, what we're going to do now is turn our attention to University of Buffalo and MAC football. Um, not that we are at every UB home game or anything like that, but I'm a UB fan. Are you a UB fan? UB football fan? Dude, these colors don't run, man. I'm bleeding blue every Saturday. And would you say uh, your primary allegiance is to UB or to a different Absolutely not. Uh, my primary team is Notre Dame. 
Uh, okay, so again, like you are with the Bills, you're sort of dipping your toes in, but um, your allegiance is really more to who is your other team in college football? The Notre Dame Notre Fighting Dame. Irish, bro. Mm, okay. They're all right, I heard. I think they almost lost to Toledo. Well, that oh, can't God. be good. They're not looking good against Cincinnati right now, I'll tell you that. Ugh. Well, UB, to start the season, we can just sort of recap. They played a high school football team week one. Um, Wagner High School, I think is what they were called. And they won (laughs) 69-7. to And then they played a Big Ten program in Nebraska. And this is how the first four weeks go when you're in the MAC, right? You play terrible kids, and then you play a powerhouse. And you just crush someone, and then you get slaughtered. And uh, they lost to Nebraska. They did give Coastal Carolina a pretty good game, though. Only lost by three. They were the 16th-ranked team in the country at the time. And then they beat Old Dominion by the skin of their teeth last week. So now we're into MAC play. And today they lost to Western Michigan. It turns out Western Michigan is a pretty good team. Yeah, jeez. But once they get into these MAC East games, that's when things get interesting for UB because they just have to win the MAC East. So they've got to be the number one team between them, Bowling Green, Kent State, Miami of Ohio, Akron, and Ohio University. And next mm-hmm. week, they get to play Kent State, who has sort of an electric um, offense. Yeah, fitting of their name, the, the Golden Flashes, right? That's right. Yep. So uh, they fall a little behind in the max standings this week, um, but I think their quarterback, Kyle Van Treese, will allow them to bounce back next week against the Kent State Golden Flashes. And uh, they've got a sort of a dominant running game, too. Remember Jarrett Patterson last year almost set the – I think it was the all-time rushing record for NCAA. What? Really? Yeah. He was he was like 20 yards short, or maybe it was one game um, oh rushing yards, but I want to look that one up. But it was crazy because they pulled him right out of the game, <sighs> uh, right before he could break That's the record. That's cold-blooded. Yeah. Um, and he now plays for the Washington football team. So. Yeah, yeah. But they've got Kevin Marks running the ball. Oh, the single and... game you mean. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say career. Right, I don't single think career. game. Yeah. No, I don't think career. Yep. Um, he, he tied it, right, with eight rushing touchdowns, and then they just took him out. Such a shame. So I thought that the rushing game or the running game this year was going to be great, and it hasn't been as dominant without Patterson. But no. uh, Kevin Marks has looked pretty decent, not as decent as Patterson, and then they've got Dylan McDuffie, who actually, in watching these games, has looked a little bit more explosive. So uh, I'm excited to see where they can go with this, but their Mac East journey begins next week at Kent State. Hmm. Yeah. What a name, too. Dylan McDuffie. Yeah, I'll be watching, bro. Come on. Is that a question? Interesting thing with college football this year is that the NCAA has given these guys an extra year of eligibility. Yeah. Something we were talking about. Um, before the episode and it's caused some of these uh, second tier d1 programs to have some older more experienced players than they normally would and they're able to give a pretty good game to top schools like bowling green beat minnesota last week and like we said toledo almost beat notre dame so it's leveling the playing field just a little bit it's kind of interesting yeah it is super interesting and and i can't remember who you had said you you read or where you read that or heard that or whatever but it makes total sense when you really think about it, right? Like, yeah, Ohio State, Alabama, Florida, all these teams are getting, like, super high-level recruits and stuff like that. But these are still young kids, no matter how talented they are. And then you have, like, you know, Midwest football, Maction, bro. 
Uh, and these are full-grown men with full-grown dude strength, you know, like maybe even dad strength in some cases. And they're just throwing yeah. around these highly rated recruits and stuff like that. Right. So certainly an so it interesting might make wrinkle. The Mac this year. product a little bit more exciting than in a normal year, too. Yeah. Let's hope. A uh, group of five playoff appearance maybe in the near future? I don't know. Ooh, wouldn't that be something? Yeah. Group of five. That's so they get funny. ranked once in a while. Yeah, they do. These Mac teams. Yeah. For sure. Wasn't UB ranked last year? Or two years ago, sorry. I don't two know years if it was ago last there. Last year. A couple years ago though when they had Tyree Jackson and Anthony Johnson and Jared Patterson. I think Tyree Jackson's like tight end for the Eagles or something now. Yeah, I saw that somewhere. Crazy, right? Yeah. I mean, worked for Logan Thomas, but Logan Thomas spent a lot of years in uh on NFL teams as a backup quarterback too, so you know, that's kinda I think it's really helpful to come from if you're a super athletic dude, to be able to come from the quarterback position and kind of have the knowledge of what every other position is supposed to be doing on any given play, I feel like that's a really useful thing to have during that transition. Yeah, you'd get like a really intimate understanding of, you know, rather than just being a tight end and being told, go stand there at this time. As a quarterback, yeah. you'd know why the play needs to develop for you to get to that spot. Exactly. So, pretty cool. Um, all right. Anything else you need to say about UB before next week? Things will start to get interesting as we get into these Mac East games. But no. for now, it's just another Mac loss, unfortunately. Tough Western loss. Michigan. Yeah, tough and loss against good. Western Michigan. Western Michigan. Michigan they did. Good. They did. I mean, their jerseys didn't, but the play on the field looked good. Uh, they looked like they stole their symbol from the Washington football team and that they dyed their jerseys the color of poo. But they get the award for best city name, though, of, of all college football. What's you know there? Where? Is it like Kalamazoo? It is Kalamazoo, Michigan. Yeah, it's pretty nice. cool. Yeah, that is a cool name. Okay, so we're wrapping things up here. Um, last thing I think we still need to do is get score predictions for this mm-hmm. game against the Texans, which we're currently tied. You you beat me uh, the first week against the Steelers. We had the, a tie in week two when we predicted our scores for the Dolphins game. And then last week I had a much closer prediction than you did for Washington. So... What do you think is going to happen this week in Orchard Park? I'm banking on another 40-burger for the Bills. So, yeah, I'm going to go 42 for the Bills, and I'm going to go 23 for the Texans. 23 points? Yep. Who's scoring 23 points on this Texans offense? Don't ask me to justify. It's just a feeling that I have. It's Andre Roberts' kick returns. Four... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> exactly I'm guaranteeing I'm 23 give... points and 4 safeties somehow you do the math how that's going to work out I sure hope that doesn't happen Yeah. Um, I am going to give the Bills 34 I, I think they can score more but it's going to be a rainy day you know it's a get right game and uh, then I think the Texans are going to score 10 so okay. Whoa. Okay. 30, 34-10 for uh, the Bills you know what's going to happen? Maybe this is why I think 23. Uh, they're going to start out with Davis Mills. But second half, you know, is going to trot out of that locker room. Deshaun no. freaking Watson. Oh, that yeah. would be something. How crazy would that be? What if they just, what if they really just said, F it, let's put him out there, you know? 
he wouldn't want to why, play anyway. Why now, though? Why would and you know what? They just had enough in the middle of a Bills drubbing that they got to put it out. Exactly. <laughs> he probably wouldn't even do it if they came up to him and said, "No, he All absolutely right, would now. not. He absolutely, absolutely would not." But it would be hilarious to see the coaches just get so frustrated and be like, "You know what, Deshaun, you get out there and take a beating for two quarters." Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. It's sure to be a rainy game in Orchard Park. I think the Bills will take home the W. Um, but the big game to pay attention to is next weekend at the Chiefs. So we'll be coming at you guys with an episode in the middle of this week, uh, maybe Wednesday-ish or something like that, a little earlier than usual, to talk about that game because that is the one that's been circled on the schedule since the schedule came out. You are bringing bad karma by overlooking the Texans. I don't think so. I'm confident. I hope not. I'm confident that I don't have any impact on this game, so I can be as cocky about it as I want. You disgust me. All right. Anything else you want to add? No, that's it. Just really disappointed in you. But thank you to all of our fans who, uh, you know, make this podcast possible. Thank you for liking us uh, or giving us five-star reviews, liking us on Instagram, following us on Instagram. Phineas is doing a really mediocre job of running our instagram account but he gets back on it every other week so i think this is the week that uh yeah phineas gets it going again so let's hope so shout out all right thanks for listening guys Uh, we'll talk to you next week yep later dude see ya